Welcome to Heritage Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and challenged as we study the Word of God together. This special edition podcast comes from our annual Overflow Conference. For more information, please connect with us online at heritagefellowship.us slash overflow. Well, start off on a lighter note since I blew the whistle. It's just an honor and a privilege, always is an honor and a privilege to be here. And uh, Keith and I both express our gratitude to you for the privilege of serving you and the joy we derive from it every time we come. So I'll tell you this little story about a couple in the circus who wanted to adopt a child. And you're already laughing, I can see. So they, they made an appointment and went to the uh, agency for the interview, and the lady had some questions, you know. She said, I'm not so, so sure circus life is a good life for a child. So they went in and sat down, and the first question was, uh, well, you know, she, she expressed, she said, I'm not so sure this is a good idea, so I'm going to ask you some questions. And the first question is, uh, what kind of education will this child get? And uh, she spoke up right away, and she says, oh, we've already thought of that, and we are going to hire the best tutor we can find uh, at their specific grade levels or whatever, and we will take care of this, we assure you. Uh, this teacher will be certified by, what's the group you oversee? Uh, yeah, Tannis. And uh, we've got it covered. So uh, she said, hmm, there, there could be some hope for this. So um, she thought of another question. She said, well, uh, what kind of family life will this child have? Oh, we've got that covered. We have this covered. In fact, we have our own motorhome, beautiful RV, and the child will travel in the RV with us, and we always plan for dinner time together. We have family meals and family time, and we will really raise this child in an excellent family environment, even though we're in the circus. And so the lady said, well, I think this could work. I think this just might work. What do you, do you have a preference? Would you like a boy or a girl? And the man spoke up right away and he said, well, I don't think it really matters as long as they fit in the canon. Amen? And so needless to say, the interviewer did not say yes. I had to fit that in there. I had to make it fit in there somehow. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33. And I have the wonderful joy of going in the opposite direction today. My subject is no. So we're going to see if you can say no. Oh, come on. No. These are the words of Jesus. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old. That was the past generation. You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. 
But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head. I've never heard anybody swear by his head. I don't know about that one. I swear by my head. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be be. So Jesus postulates an interesting paradigm. He doesn't talk about yes only. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Correct? I asked my uh, granddaughter, Brianne, she is married. We have a wonderful grandson, Malachi. Great-grandson, our first great-grandson. Malachi, we call him Kai, always laughing. And I said, Brienne, what is the strongest word in the English language? And without hesitation, she said, no. Now, if you actually Google this, you will find that her answer was correct. That the strongest word is not yes, it's no. That kind of caught me by surprise because I was looking for fuel to teach this week, and I came up with this unexpected answer, no. Then I began to ponder what this, what this instruction from Jesus implies. Uh, let's, put, let's put that uh, overhead up. The... Hi. I have one PowerPoint slide. This is it. What do you see? All right, let's look at the first one. What do you see? How many of you see an old woman? You see an old woman? All right. How many of you see a young woman? Isn't that interesting? Now, now I want, I want, let's just go to the next one before I talk about this whole paradigm. The second one there. What do you see? Some people see a duck. How many of you see a duck? Boy, a lot of people see a duck. You must be right brain people. How many of you see a rabbit? (laughs) Oh, it's like, ah, yeah, there it is. Now, let's, the, the third one, or the one on the right, is the most common, I think. Uh, what do you see there? A vase. A vase. A Roman vase. What else, what else is in that? Huh? Two people looking at each other, right? Now, here's the paradox. When you look at that, you see both at the same time. 
but you can only comprehend one at a time. You cannot comprehend both at the same time. Your mind cannot uh, actually accomplish that. So you can switch back and forth, right? I mean, the, the hardest one for me is the one on the left because to find the old woman, you have to look at her mouth way down on the bottom. But if you look up a little, it kind of, you see the little nose there with the black hair? It kind of looks like Lisa Price. <laughs> In her dance costume, ready to go on stage. So I'm postulating, or I'm laying the foundation for something that I think is very important for us to get a hold of as we're focusing on the theme of this weekend, which is yes, and that is there are, let let me look at my notes so I say this right, two things can exist at the same time. Got it? They both exist at the same time. So you could say, well, one is yes and one is no. But they're in the same picture, yet your your brine, your your brine, your brine, I'm in Tennessee, can you tell? <laughs> your brine only picks up what you're able to comprehend, what you're and and what you're able to come comprehend becomes your reality. Are you with me? Doesn't Kevin say that all the time? Are you, where's Kevin? He's not with me. (laughs) Well, too bad, Kevin. We changed his last name to DeJour. Kevin DeJour. Okay. We are most often only capable of seeing one thing at a time. So when we come into a conference where we are focused on the main thing, which is yes, I'm here to challenge you that you're not seeing the whole picture. That in order to comprehend yes, At the same time, you must comprehend no. All right? Psychologists teach us that the mind is capable of perceiving either the relief or the background, but we cannot perceive both at the same time. We can literally see either two faces of a Grecian urn, or one. We cannot see both simultaneously. Everything we know says that one thing cannot be two things at the same time. One thing cannot be two things at the same time, but I've just proven that that's true. Now, sometimes... We refuse to believe our eyes because there's a kind of awareness. Now, I hope you're catching this now. 
there's a kind of awareness that defies logic. There's a kind of comprehension that goes beyond what the normal ability of our apprehension can comprehend. So I call it the mystery of paradox. Say the mystery of paradox. There are two ways of knowing. You write that down. There are two ways of knowing. So you look at this and say, ah, I see one thing, but there's another thing. So there are two ways of knowing one thing. We live in a world of opposites. We really do. We live in a world of paradoxes. Sometimes we're not aware of it because we just accept what is the common perception. And it's like our eyes have to be opened to see something differently. So, for example, let me list a few paradoxes for you. Darkness and light. Now, do you know that light cannot exist without darkness? It's an impossibility. In fact, a person who is mentoring me in painting said, and I'm sure I will get an amen from Peggy on this, you cannot paint white without painting black or a darker color, because the white just doesn't show. So God created darkness and light. It says he created light out of the darkness, but he said, let there be light. It doesn't say he destroyed the darkness, right? In fact, God wraps himself in darkness. When he comes, he comes in a, a dark cloud. He robes himself in a cloud of darkness and thunderings and sound. So God doesn't hate darkness. God created black, and he uses both black and white. Now, it's true that the enemy has occupied the dark places, but that doesn't mean that God didn't create them. The enemy has simply occupied them. There's night and day. There is night and day, one day. And the, the day begins when? At 12 midnight. And the, and the night and the day are a day. The darkness and the light, one day. The Hebrew calendar. See, this is another thing we... we we live according to the Roman calendar because that's our culture, but you know that's not God's time calendar. He established his calendar in the very beginning. The Roman calendar is based upon what? The sun. 
and the planets. So all of the months have, or the days have, uh, Roman or Greek god names like Zeus Day, Sunday, Moon Day. You with me? Of course you know all this. But God created the stars to give us messages. So we, we really get up in arms about astronomy uh, or astrology, and we say, oh, you know, watch out for that. But the gospel is preached. In, in The gospel is amazingly preached in the zodiac. And if you understand that the signs of the zodiac really preach the gospel in the heavens, if you understand what they mean, God put the sign in the heavens. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go and study the zodiac. I'm just saying that God knew what he was doing when he created the heavens and the earth and established time. There's male and female. Hey, how about that for opposites? I keep reminding my wife, I say, listen, you weren't created. You were made. You just, God made you. He created me. He just took one of my parts and made you, you know. She just laughs at me. <laughs> There's heaven and earth. There's good and evil. There's insight and intuition. There's rational and mystical. I like, I like to pull this one out because, you know, if you, if you put Keith and I up together side by side, he's the rational side. I'm the mystical side. So Keith comes very logically and very substantial with the word, and I come with dreams and visions and, you know, catching a hold of seeing two things at once and all of that, and so we make a good blend. And if I'm not sure of anything, I always ask him. <laughs> Keith, what do you think about this? Oh, yeah, well, let me, yeah, let me talk about that, you know, and I go away educated. All right, there's uh, rational and mystical. There's the ability to think logically, but there's also the, the ability to tap into something that goes beyond logic, that goes beyond our rational ability. There is linear and paradox. There is verbal and nonverbal. There is Western culture and Eastern culture. There is individual and community. There is doing and being. I love that because you know, God said to me, I did not create you a human doing, I created you a human being. So my wife and I have this practice now. We don't ask people, how are you doing? We say, how are you being? And the beauty of the, of the word shalom, uh, when you say shalom, which is either hello or goodbye in the Hebrew culture, when you ask a person you say shalom, the word peace really means order. Things are right. So when you say to someone in, in, in Hebrew, shalom, you're saying, are things right with you? That's a lot different than saying hi. That's going deeper. Are things right with you inside? How are your relationships? Is everything at peace with you? That's beautiful. That's showing that you're going beyond the surface. It's not just high, it's shalom. Things right inside, 
So there's the dichotomy or the paradox of doing and being. And then there's holy and defiled. And this is a, this is a very important one. There is visible, say visible, and invisible. Key to what I want to say, share with you. So there are two ways of knowing, and it's difficult for one way to understand the other way. And yet, both of them need each other for definition. So when you say yes, you're looking at yes and no in the picture, and the yes needs the no for definition. And the no needs the yes for clarity. And so we risk miscalculation or misunderstanding if we eliminate either side of the equation. So as a writer, I'm always looking for uh, the perfect word. The Ecclesiastes says that the teacher sought for acceptable words or happy words or the perfect word, that the word that is like a nail or a goat. He sought for words that would nail the truth in the people he was teaching or words that were like the shepherd's goat that would say, mm, come on, move along, move along. The purpose of teaching, to motivate and to secure truth in a person. So when I'm, when I'm writing, I'm, I'm looking for the perfect word. I'm saying, well, what, what is the word? For me, words are like colors. And sometimes you just need the perfect color when you're painting. You just can't use any blue. It has to be just the perfect blue. And when you find that, it, it defines everything. And it's same when you're, when you're speaking. You need the perfect word. It's like the paint in the paragraph that, that really makes it come alive. So oftentimes I will look for synonyms to find the perfect word that aligns with the one I'm now using, but I know there's a better word. And sometimes the best way is to go to the other side and look for antonyms. Because you can say, you can paint a picture by the opposite word. Instead of saying it is like this, it's not like this. Or sometimes you don't even say not, you just use the two words together and it, it, and it suddenly it defines itself. It's like, wow, I see that. I understand that. Even though those two words don't seem to fit, in this case, they just complement each other, even though they're opposite in meaning. So, what something is not is as important as what it is. That's true. So, if we're looking to define yes, no will help us. Right? 
And another thing I found is that opposites attract. Opposites attract. Now, I have a theory that people with the same personality, same motivational gifts, are in trouble. You know, it's like putting two D personalities together. You can never stop the engine. It just keeps going and going and going. So, uh, you know, opposites attract in personalities, I think, and complement each other. You're not looking for someone on the staff who can do everything you can do. You want someone who can do what you cannot do. Amen? Although I do have a theory that there is usually one feature, one physical feature among couples that I always check out to see if they're right for each other, and that is their noses. <laughs> now, you look at each other and compare noses, and you will discover they're the same. For the most part, they're the same. I mean, not the same nose, but they look alike. So a couple comes up to me, and she's got this big, long nose, and he's just got this stubby little nose, and I think, nah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> it's my first te test in marital counseling. Let me check your noses out. So there are, two ways, there are two ways of discerning something, okay? Let's just go this way. There are two ways of discerning the same thing and, and learning to comprehend that you're not just looking at one thing when you say yes or when you are engaging some other reality. You are looking at more than one thing, and it's so important for you to see what you cannot see. It's so important to know what you do not know. We don't know what we don't know. And this, the worst thing about deception is that you don't know you don't know. So you're deceived, and you don't know you're deceived. Everyone you meet knows something you don't. And so everyone is an opportunity to learn something. So I, when I meet people, I bring my shovel and I start digging around. Tell me, what do you do? Tell me what you know. Where'd you go to school? And when I, hit, when I strike the mother load, that's where I stay. Teach me something about this. Tell me something about this. So there's a gold mine around us that we sometimes don't even, aren't even aware of in the people we're with. All right, let's look at Jeremiah chapter 6. And I'm not going to take time to read this whole text, but Jeremiah 6 and verse 16. Now this is, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. And more often than not, he was seen crying and weeping over over Israel and over the, the trauma that Israel, the deception that Israel was living in. And so he was, he was a, the prophet that came weeping. There was such a burden of the Lord upon him by the Spirit. He was consumed by 
the, the, the burden of Israel's sin. So the Lord speaks to Israel. You can read this whole chapter. I encourage you to read the chapter, but let's just look at this one verse here, this then following, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. That is a key verse right there. Ask for the ancient paths. Where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Get this picture now. God is giving them an opportunity to see their condition. So he says, this is what I want you to do. Go down to the major intersection in Jeff City and watch the traffic. And tell me what you see. And while you're observing it, I want you to ask me for something that is unseen. Stand at the crossroads. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and, find, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Also, I raised up sentinels for you. Give heed to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not give heed. Hmm. You can send all the prophets you want to, Lord. We are not listening. We have chosen what we want to see. We have already said our yes. And God is saying, but you don't see what's invisible. So he says, therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, I will, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, I'm going to bring disaster on this people the fruit of their schemes, because they have not given heed to my words. As for my teaching, they have rejected it. Of what use to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba or sweet cane from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor are your sacrifices pleasing to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I'm laying before this people stumbling blocks against which they shall stumble. Parents and children, neighbors and friends shall perish." Now, the first thing I want you to notice about this scripture is it's love-based. It's all about God's love. He so loves his chosen people that even in the midst of their blind condition, he sends them the messenger. He sends them the prophet. And then he even gives them an illustration. Amen? So this entire chapter is about, this verse is about going into the culture and being observant. So I have a little gift for you today. And I'm going to ask somebody to help me with this. Take a balloon. Take a balloon. 
This is a test to see how well you can breathe. Now, I didn't say blow it up, right? Okay, take the balloon and, you know, give it a good stretch, one or two. And then go ahead and blow it up. One balloon per person. This is like the manna. Only one. Although it's Saturday, you could take two, I guess. Oh, no, actually, it's the Sabbath today, so you better had two yesterday. Go ahead, blow it up. Now, when you get it blown up, tie a knot on it so that it stays inflated. Oh, no! We had a failure. Got it? Yeah, well, go ahead, go ahead. Everybody just... Bang your balloon, I know. Every, how, how many of you are proud of your balloon? Just hold it right up there. Wow, we need this on camera. This is my balloon. This is not your balloon. I'll make sure my balloon doesn't deflate. No making noise with your balloon. Now what, listen, it is very important for you to protect this balloon. Whatever you do, do not let any harm come to this balloon. You got it? Very important. Because what this balloon represents is your reality. This is your reality. Got it? This is what you think is real. This represents your perception. This is your worldview right here. Got it? Are you with me? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? I want you to see this balloon as all of the stuff that defines your belief system. All of the stuff that you have been taught. All of the culture you have learned. All of the, oh no! We need another balloon. <laughs> Whose balloon was that? Now, if someone can't blow up a balloon, blow it up for them. Okay? So all of you from Africa, we're going to send you home with a bag of balloons. So here's what Jesus says. He, gets, he says, take a stand. He says, take a stand. He says, go to the intersection or the crossroads and take a stand. That means take a position to observe. And so we're taking a stand, and this is what Proverbs, uh, which means 
have an intentional desire because in order to perceive what we don't see, we have to have an intentional desire to perceive it. And sometimes we are blinded by the culture we live in. So he says, take a stand and uh, take a position. And let me tell you what. What he means is, I want you to begin to engage something. I want you to begin to engage something. Go down to the, where, the, where the culture meets, where the crossroads are. I mean, in, in Jerusalem, the crossroads of that city was nation, national, international, constantly caravans moving through the city and trade and all kinds of things. So imagine them going down and looking at the traffic. And uh, taking a stand means come to rest. Okay? So everything will resist you from coming to rest. You can expect resistance and fear to hinder you from seeing. Now, here's another thing you need, to, you need to really understand. Do not fight the truth. Because if truth comes and it doesn't fit with your worldview, you will fight it. Amen? So don't fight the truth. Embrace the truth. And in the process, allow Jesus to set you free because he's the way, the truth, and the light. So our worldview is challenged by God himself. So then he says, look, take a stand and look. And so the question then is, look at what? What are we supposed to look at? And the scripture says, there is a way, Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So you can, you can go down to the intersection and look at all the traffic and realize that the majority of that traffic is headed to death because their perception is wrong. Besides, I have good news for you. You will never get out of life without dying. Isn't that profound? But it's true. So you might as well start now. Look at what? Look at what seems to be right. It seems to be right, but it ends in death. What does this mean? Observe society. Which way are they going? What's happening in society? Look at society and understand that what you see ends in death, and it isn't really real. It's not reality. It's deception. So then he goes on to say, and, and I, I wrote this scripture down, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Does that sound like our culture? Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We call good evil and evil good. I believe that's a perfect description of what's going on in our society today. Just the opposite of what it should be. So then he says, look. Look for what? What are we supposed to look for? 
the ancient pathways. What does he mean by that? Look for the ancient pathways. It says in the New Testament, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So there are states or levels of reality. Okay? And so your reality is determined by what tree you're eating from. Is it the tree of knowledge or the tree of life? That will determine your reality. Are you a carnal man, a natural man, or a spiritual man? Paul talks about three different levels of spirituality, the carnal or the flesh. the natural man, or the spiritual man. And let me just put it this way. All three of those levels or dimensions enable you to have a different reality. Got it? I know it's late in the afternoon, so stay with me. The train is coming soon. Where is your mindset? Is it on earth or heaven? That will determine your reality. Correct? Where is your mindset? Is your focus on religion or relationship? That will determine your reality. Where is your focus? On old wineskins or new ones? On patches on old clothing or a new garment? You know, I, I, I've always focused on the, the thing about the wineskin, but one day I said, Lord, why did you use this thing about a new garment? You can't put a patch of new cloth on an old garment. He said, that's all about your identity because clothing represents identity. And you can't put your new identity on the old one. You are changed. You are transformed. You're a different person. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Put on the new garment. Don't try to patch the old one. So, here, God wants to explode our reality. Are you ready? So on three, we're going to explode this reality and ask God to give us the right one. Okay? Take whatever you got, uh, pencil, pen, hairpin, keys. I did this once somewhere else and Eunice could not break her balloon. She was sitting in the front row and she got her cane and she started... <laughs> He's beating on that balloon. Break, break, break. And she, she succeeded. She broke that balloon. So, okay. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Whoa. I don't know about you, but I got chills. 
That was better than Disney World, man. She's still trying to break her balloon. <laughs> oh, there goes another one. Oh, awesome. Hey! Everybody's outside is wondering what on earth we're doing. <laughs> now listen, this is very important. Your yes to God will change your right reality. Every yes I said to God released a new dimension of understanding in my spiritual life. I was born again, and suddenly everything looked different, felt different. You know what I'm talking about? It's a whole new dimension. And then I said yes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, and my world changed. My whole perception of life changed. It, and things were different because my yes brought me to a new level of perception, a new dimension of understanding in God. And if you trace through the scriptures, what do you find? You find that those who said yes to God were catapulted into a whole new dimension and experience in the spirit. Amen. I discovered the secret place. Oh my goodness, did my life change. And I went from head knowledge to heart knowledge to knowing, from knowing something about God to knowing him. To discovering the legitimacy of my God-given imagination. That took me to a whole new level. When I came to the decision that I would no longer accept the no of the traditional church that imagination is bad and embrace the truth that it is a God-given gift for me and you and God intended for us to use it. Your imagination is the page that God writes on. It's the screen of revelation. I thought I'd get an amen from somebody in here. I know it's late. Throw a shoe or something. <laughs> or a balloon, that'll work. I, 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 I moved from understanding that God... We keep saying, God, come down here. Come down here, God. Come to God. And we're always saying, Holy Spirit, come. And God is up there saying, I'm not coming. You come up here. I mean, we don't have to call God here. He is here. And we say, come Holy Spirit. Well, if he isn't here already, where are you? We, we do it because we want him to manifest his presence. We want to feel his presence. So wouldn't it be better to say, God, I know you're here. We just want to feel you. It's like piglet. Piglet. This is Winnie the Pooh. This is Winnie the Pooh. 
And Piglet comes up behind him and grabs his hand. And of course, Pooh says, what do you want, Piglet? What, Piglet? I just want to be sure of you. Okay. I just want to be sure of you. And I think that's what we're saying when we say, come, Lord. We just want to be sure of you. Manifest your presence. We know you're here, but we want to see your Shekinah. Ho! Hallelujah. Amen? Send the fire, Lord. You don't get close to God without some fire and gold and lightning and strange happening. I came to understand portals, that there are places on this earth that are access ways into the heavenlies, just like Jacob's ladder that was a portal where angels were ascending and descending. They still exist. And there are places where we have access into the heavenlies. And God is saying, come up here. I want you to see what's available to you and take it back with you. So John the Revelator on the day of, uh, on the Lord's day was out walking and he saw a vision and there was a window, a door open in heaven and he turned to look and an angel said, John, come on up here. There are things I want to show you. You need to see them and I will then send you back with them. And so we have the book of Revelation. As we approach the end times, as we approach the end of the age, I believe it's going to be more and more important for us to know that as sons and daughters of God, we can enter into the presence of God through the veil of Jesus' flesh and encounter what's in heaven now. That's for another day. I could teach more on that some other time. But listen. Our reality in the church has to change. And so as we are talking about, yes, I'm not sure you know what that means. I'm not sure you really have a handle on it because when you say yes, you are saying, I'm going to leave this in a sense, and I'm going to enter into a whole new realm of understanding I didn't see before, a whole new perception. I was looking at one thing, I thought it was one thing, but it's two things. All right? Okay? We must learn to say no to a lesser realm to obtain the next dimension. Because the past will keep you from the next one. You know, the, the Israel knew a lesser dimension. And God said, no, you need a new wineskin. You have to say no to that in order to embrace the new. You have to say no in order for yes to work. So what choice do we have? Is it yes or no? And the answer is both. It's not yes or no. 
it's yes and no. Because you cannot say yes without saying no. Yes requires no. Now there are times when maybe qualifies. You say, oh, where is he going with this? Now the Lord told me to go to Florida. I was praying, should I go to Florida? And I really needed an answer. And he showed me a vision. I was sitting in my hot tub, which is kind of like my secret place, you know. So if you call my house and my wife says, he's in the secret place, I'm probably in a hot tub. And, and so I'm sitting there at night and the lights are blinking on the hot tub and the steam is rising off the water. and Stars are sparkling and believe it, the snow was lightly falling. And I said to the Lord, I don't want to go to Florida because it's warm. I only want to go if it's your will. And instantly, I had a vision of a checkerboard. And God's hand came down, and I was the piece in the corner, and he just put his hand on me and moved me like this. And I said, what are you saying, Lord? He said, this checkerboard is mine, and all the pieces on this are mine. And I can move them wherever I want to move them. Because I have a strategy for you, and I have a strategy for the end time. And I need you in Florida for what I'm doing there. Well, I had an invitation to pastor a church in Florida, and I was praying, Lord, I need wisdom. And he said to me, I'm not sending you there to pastor the church. I'm using the church to get you there. You will go as pastor, but you will not stay there long as pastor. It's like, it's like the Lord was saying, I'm sending a boat for you to get you there. And it will help you to get located where I want you to be. And then I'll show you what I really sent you for. Then he said this to me. Now you don't really have to go. I said, really? No, you can choose to go or not to go. And I thought, that's different. I thought it would be yes or no. But then he tacked this little phrase on. He said, but if you don't go, I'll have to raise up somebody else to do what I'm calling you to do. And I will bless you where you're at, but not in the same way. And I said, well, it's a done deal, Lord. We'll go. And we ended up in Florida, and the rest is history. We've been there 12-some years. And God has led me into an apostolic ministry in the city where we have a place called King Station, which is an apostolic team that ministers to the whole region. I would have never known any of that. Amazing. So sometimes God gives you options, but I have news for you. Father knows best. Amen? Another thing is, God will not ask you to break a previous covenant in order to say yes to something new. I made a covenant with my wife. 
called marriage. And that covenant preceded new things that God would bring to me as opportunities. And I always would say to the Lord, I can do this only if I can honor the covenant I made first. And so I was given the opportunity to take a new uh, church full-time. I was a student pastor. I had the opportunity to go into full-time ministry. My wife was pregnant. I didn't know if they had insurance at at this new place. I knew I had to take care of her. She was about to give birth. I couldn't just up and quit my job and go and be irresponsible. I didn't have the faith to believe God would take care of it. I had the faith to honor my covenant with her. And so I said, well, do they offer insurance? Will they cover the child's birth? Do we have housing that's adequate, et cetera, et cetera? And when all of those questions were answered, I said yes. Because I was honoring a previous covenant that had to be kept. And God took care of every one of those needs. And so I said, of course I'll go. Yes. The other sacrifices really aren't that big. Well, there were two children of Israel who said no. And they got cast into a fiery furnace. You know their names? Shadrach. Meshach, and to bed we go. And they were cast into the fiery furnace because they refused because of their no. They would not bow down. We will not bow down to the king and his idols. We will not worship that. Throw them in the furnace. And the the soldiers who threw them in, the furnace was so hot, they got burned alive and died, throwing them in. And so they're all looking in the furnace, and guess what? A fourth person appeared in the fire. You see, sometimes your no may lead you into the fire. Uh Oh. But rest assured, the no is based on a yes you've already given. Your no is the consequence of saying yes. You can say no because you've already said yes. Amen? No sets boundaries. No sets boundaries. No expresses values. I won't do that. Why are you saying that? Because I've said yes. No strengthens priorities. It strengthens priorities. No affirms our yes. There can really be no yes without a whole lot of no. I told you it's all about the nose. (laughs) We must have the correct view of reality. 
Listen to this, very important. Jesus' yes was a response to the unseen reality. Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. What was his reality? Not the immediate setting. What are you doing, Father? He was tapped into another reality. And so when we talk about where we are as a congregation and where heritage is handling, we have to understand that God is moving us by our yes into a place where a lot of no's will have to be said in the future, but a new reality will come and you will be perceiving things like you never perceived them before. Because you thought you knew, but once you comprehend the yes and no of a new dimension, suddenly life changes. Perception changes. Our yes must be a response to the spiritual dimension. Our no's must be a response to the spiritual spiritual dimension. Amen? So, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So, What really identifies us as God's children is that we are spirit-led, one of the characteristics, and that means that we are tapped into another dimension other than what we just see. And in that dimension, we make yeses and nos. We declare things. And I am convinced, I am convinced that God is bringing the church, not just heritage, but the church in this season to a whole new dimension of perceiving. It's going to require a yes and a no. Amen? So uh, let's stand together and look around you, and if you see any broken balloons, please pick them up so that the staff who comes in to clean up has no evidence that we had a party in here. (laughs) And let's seal this word in prayer, all right? I think I'm done a little early, too. Good. You're all here because you've said yes, I'm sure. That's why you're here today. I mean, who would be here on a Saturday afternoon when the football games are going and, you know, all of that stuff? And <laughs> I'm still getting inner healing because we were over at Greg and Debbie's last Sunday to watch the Steelers play, and Helen came in from DSM, and she sat down and did her homework during a Steeler game right in front of us. I said, what are you doing? <laughs> You don't do that while the Steelers are playing. And she said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. So, Father, we're so grateful for this time together. You said 
Lord, that we need to buy from you eyesight that we may see. We ask you for that eyesight, Lord. And I suppose that we buy it by saying yes. We get it by saying, yes, Lord, I think I see, but I don't know if I really see. Help us to see beyond the now. Help us to see beyond the physical realm, Lord Jesus. Open our eyes in the spiritual dimension to, and our ears to hear and to see and to comprehend the angels and the saints and, and be encouraged by them from heaven and embrace the reality of multiple dimensions of truth and reality that are all part of your creation. Help us to know, Lord, that you know best. Father, that you love us, and you say that we're to know your love, and yet you say we can't. Talk about a paradox. Lord, you ask us to do the impossible, but all things are possible. And so we say back to you, Abba, we love you. We thank you for calling us to the intersection to find the ancient pathway. Because you said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the love. Abba, we come to you by the way that Jesus has made in the truth of the word, in the breath of life that your spirit gives us. In this moment, in this moment, open our eyes to a new reality for what is coming. And we thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Please join us online at heritagefellowship.us or in person in Jefferson City, Tennessee as we encounter God, touch lives, and impact nations.